0: Sons, why do ye look one upon another? Y'all ain't got no corn in your pockets. How many go find some corn? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt, get down thither and buy from us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. I've already lost your brother, and I've already lost your mother. I can't afford to lose you. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among them that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor of the land, and he was that sold all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but he made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them, and, said, and he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. And he said unto them, You are spies to see the nakedness of the land. ye are come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants. Come, we are all one man's sons. We are true men. Thy servants No spies. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, tonight just for being so good to us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for mercy. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, God, to come just to fellowship together, to worship together. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the past work that you've done in our life. Thank you for Calvary. God, thank you for saving our soul. Thank you for the change you made on the day that we got born again. Brought us from death into life, from darkness into light. Lord, you saved our souls, and we're grateful for that tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the current work that you're doing, some of which we recognize and some of that we can't quite see yet, but we're grateful for it this evening. God, thank you, uh, Lord, that you work on things, God, that I don't have the ability to see tonight that I need in my life. And I ask you, Lord, this evening, we thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We thank you, God, for the promise of heaven. We thank you for a place that is fairer than day, a place where there is no sin, there is no sickness, there is no parting. And God, I'm so grateful tonight, Lord, that this world is not my home. And God, this this world's success is not the only thing, uh, God, that I had to live for tonight. God, I have a place called heaven. I have the judgment seat of Christ that ought to drive me to live tonight. But we love you and we thank you. We'll give you the glory and the praise. Help us now to glean truths from your word that we can live with tomorrow. And God, use to bring glory to your name. Help us now in here and help those that are in the classes tonight with the children. And God, thank you, God, for what you've done this summer. God, just in the hearts and lives, of not just our young people, But God, our whole church as well. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Excuse me, there's nothing like watching your dreams come true or watching what God has promised to do actually come to fruition in your life. But one of those things, two things we have to remember when it concerns God working in our life. First of all, it's done in God's timing. And sometimes that can bother us because sometimes God doesn't move at the rate that we would wish that he would he would move at or at the speed that we think he needs to move at. It needs to be done now. It needs to be done here. Right now, Lord, and, and you beg and you beg and you plead and you come before God and you have the whole church praying and you, you, you're on your knees, you're fasting, and it seems like it's just taking long. I'm glad tonight that God is always on time. I'm glad tonight he always knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and where we need it and how to get there. And I'm grateful for that tonight, but it's always in God's timing and it's always done God's way. In essence, you cannot live the will of God and do the will of God by your own means and by your own way tonight because if you do it by your means and your way, you have lived your will and not God's. And so we know tonight that it has to be in God's timing and it has to be done God's way. must remember that we miss out on observing our God-given dreams if we don't do it this way. If we don't do it God's way, we miss out on the opportunity to step back and, and realize all that God is doing in our life and sometimes we give ourselves dreams and we try to put them under the dreams of god uh this is what i I dream of i remember being a young man or a younger man than i am now and laying out in that field at the redfield camp meeting and just asking god to use my life god whatever you want me to do however you want me to do it lord i am willing to do that but in my mind I, i thought I thought it'd be thousands that would be sitting down to listen. I thought it would be busy schedules around the world, around the country. I thought it'd be going here, going there. But I couldn't, can I say tonight, I'm, I'm thankful tonight that I'm watching God's dream unfold in my life. I was at vacation Bible school down at, uh, 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 Vine Branch down there in Keysville with Brother Sonny. And I seen a video of Brother Sonny this week back before he got saved, back before, uh, had changed his life and he's playing a concert. Down, I think downtown Augusta is where he's playing it at, and there's thousands of people out there listening to him play. We sat in VBS Monday night and Tuesday night, and there's probably 15 kids sitting there, and Brother Sonny's given his life. He has told the Lord, I will do whatever I can where I am to reach people with Christ. And, he, and the devil probably said, hey, remember when thousands of people used to listen to you? Thousands of people used to show up to watch you play guitar and watch you sing and watch you be a part of that rock band. He said, look at at him now, he's only got 15. But can I say what Brother Sonny did Monday and Tuesday night has a lot more eternal impact than his music ever did. I mean, what's more important, having a thousand people listen to you or changing one life for eternity? And we see here tonight that our dreams can come true. The same is true in Joseph's life. We see it here tonight in verse Number nine, it says, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. Those dreams that God had given him back as a young teenage boy, now he's in his 30s, but now he's seeing God's dreams come true. We're gonna cover Genesis 42 through 44 tonight and see as Joseph's dreams or God's dreams in Joseph's life come true. First of all, we see the initial reaction of Joseph. He remembers the dream. He realizes that's his brothers that have come from Canaan looking for corn because not with the famine just wasn't in Egypt, but it was around the world. You go back and you read Genesis, the Bible says that it wasn't just in Egypt, but it was around the world. And notice this because of Joseph's obedience to God's plan, Joseph had an opportunity to impact the world through the corn in Egypt. God had given him something that he could impact the world with. It sounds a lot like the gospel tonight. God has given us the word of God. God has given us the good news of the gospel. And when we do God's plan, God's way, there's no telling. God just might let us impact the world. I remember one of the craziest things I found a couple years ago. I I, I did what you're, I guess you're not supposed to do. I Google searched my name. I mean, I figured Tate and Wagner is probably three of us in the entire world uh with the first name Tate, and let alone the last name Wagner. But I, I Googled my name and, it, and I, I found myself uh a recording of myself on a website preaching. And it was in China. It was in Chinese. <laughs> Only reason why I knew what it said is because that part where it said my name in the sermon I preached was in English. Everything else was in Chinese. And I thought, here I am. I'm just trying to put our our audio out there because it's easier than sending CDs out to people. It's easier to do it that way. It's a blessing to the church members. My family's able to listen to it, no doubt. But God said, you're all the way in China. Then I started preaching to people because they probably have no idea what I'm saying. What English is he speaking? (laughs) But notice here tonight, there's no telling if you'll just give yourself to God, work God's plan, the impact it'll have. But we'll see or not. He he recognizes his brothers as they come to get corn from the land of Canaan. They've been sent by their father to get corn and Joseph sees them and he recognizes them and they come without his prompting, without his pushing and they bow down before him and Joseph remembers the dream. And notice what he does, or notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't become arrogant. He doesn't become prideful. He doesn't reach over there, slap one of his brothers and say, I told you so. Notice here, there are some things that, now Joseph, no doubt, he can tell he was raised around brothers. Because some of the first things he does is mess with them. (laughs) He begins to mess with them, but not not for just because he's trying to make fun of them, but he's trying to see if they've changed. He's trying to see what's going on and, and what has happened Verses 9 through 17 he begins to, I wrote it this way, he begins to feign some questions toward them, feign questions. He questions, why are you here? Why have you come to Egypt? Who are you? Are you all brothers? Are you all related somehow? He begins to ask all, he begins to pressure them. By asking them for information, They gotta realize, they've never been to Egypt. <laughs> it's such a terrible place, the one brother they didn't like, that's who they sent there. And so they begin, they come in now, here is Joseph, and he's he's questioned, and the Bible said he's speaking through an interpreter, so he's speaking Egyptian, and so really the interpreter is the one questioning them, he begins to pressure them, and the Bible says they crumble. They give in to the pressure, and they begin to say, no, we're not spies, we're not spies, we're not here to spy out the land, we're not here to take it, we just want to buy corn, And Joseph begins and he he, he goes on he goes on He 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 just, he's just going after in verse number 20 through 24. He comes up with a plan. He comes up with a plan in verse number 20. He says, but bring your youngest brother unto me. Bring your youngest brother to me so you, so shall your words be verified. Oh, if you're really brothers and if really one's back at home and you're not spies, bring that youngest brother to me. The one that, that your daddy didn't let you bring, let bring him to me in verse number 20. And you shall not die. Uh, if that's me, we're gonna go find a little brother. <laughs> we're bringing you to Egypt because my life is on the line. But verse 21, they said one to another, we verily are guilty concerning our brother in, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. We told him we have a brother, we can't bring him because our daddy will go down to the grave gray-headed and worrisome if we lose Benjamin. And Benjamin doesn't come back home. Notice here, verse number 22, and Reuben answered them saying, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear. Therefore behold also his blood is required. Reuben said, don't you remember we've been here before. Don't you remember Joseph? That we we gave Joseph. And I told you not to do it. and I told you not to not to kill him, and we put him in the pit, and then y'all sold him. And now look where we are. Now we're about to have to take Daddy's other favored son. We see here tonight that they come with this plan. And look at verse number twenty-four. After he hears Reuben say what he says, the Bible says Joseph begins to weep. Joseph begins to realize that there's been a great change that's happened within the hearts of his brethren and his brothers. He returned himself from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. He keeps Simeon as collateral and he, he sends him back to the father. He said, I'm going to keep Simeon. Y'all come and, and you bring back your younger brother and I know you're not spies. But in the midst of all that, he excuses himself and begins to weep. Why? he's seen the change in his brothers. He's seen how they went from who was, they were willing to throw out the favored son, and now they're protecting him. See, when Joseph disappeared, so to speak, when Joseph was was thought to be dead, Benjamin became that favored son of Jacob. Why? he was the last connection to Rachel. And as he's seen that their heart has changed, they're not just willing to get rid of him, but now they're willing to protect him. The Bible says that Joseph begins to weep. He takes Simeon and he sends the rest of them back to their father's house with corn and with the money that they had brought to buy corn. Except Joseph doesn't tell them he's putting the money back in there. He tells his servants to stick it back in the mouth of the bags and send them on their way with corn and the money they brought back to them. Verse number 26, 28, there's found treasure. Look at verse number 26, and they laid their asses with the corn and departed then. It says, one of them opened a sack to give his ass provender In the, the end, he espied his money, for behold, it was in the sack's mouth. He said, oh boy. <laughs> uh, we, we gave them money. But now my money's in here. <laughs> Notice this. And they didn't take it as a blessing. They didn't just say, all right, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I mean, well, I tried. I tried to pay them. and now, Listen, I, I'm not like them. <laughs> I'm not like that. Miss Becky had a hospital bill a while back when we first got married and uh, we called the, the people that we were supposed to call to pay the bill. They said, we don't have no record of it so we called the hospital. They said, they don't have no record of it. We called back and they said, the hospital don't have no record Y'all don't have no record of it. And they said, well, well uh, we don't know what to tell you. I said, just quit calling them. Nobody has any record of it. I guess we don't have to pay it. There may be a bill out there floating somewhere. Uh, it hasn't been paid yet. I'd hate to see <laughs> the the interest fees on that. We just took it as a blessing from the Lord. But they're still by. They said, oh my goodness. He's accused us of being a spy. He's accused us of of being false in what we identify ourselves as. And now we've come home with a sack full of corn and money that's supposed to be there. They don't know that Joseph put it in there on purpose to be a blessing to them. And so they get back to Canaan. They get back to Jacob and they report to Jacob everything that takes place, verses 29 through 38. They review how they have met the, this man in Egypt and how he's kept Simeon and because they babbled under pressure, now they have to bring back uh, Benjamin to prove that they are not spies and to save their life. They said, Daddy, we need to take Benjamin back, to, back with us. Verse number 38, chapter number 42, Jacob says no. And he said, My son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which they go, then he shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the gray. He said, no, not happening. I've already lost Joseph. I've already lost Rachel. I'm not losing Benjamin. But can I say tonight, if Jacob turns Benjamin loose and he lets go that which he's trying his hardest to hold on to, there's actually a lot in Egypt for, for Jacob. There's a family reunion that he's, he, can't, he thinks is impossible. Matter of fact, there's a place called Goshen that God has prepared for them. And you get into this and you realize that there's a lot going on and that, that there's a lot in Egypt in the sense for Jacob if he just is willing to let go. And so many times we get something good in our life. We get something, it's a blessing, no doubt. No doubt a child is a blessing to, to Jacob and no doubt he's, he's trying to, he don't want to lose because he's already lost so much when it comes to Rachel and her children and his children But his willingness to hold on is actually causing him to miss out on all that God has for him. And sometimes in our life, we've got to learn to let go of a good thing because God has something better for us. And so many times when we get the good thing, we hold on to it because we want to control it. We don't want to lose it. Because if we lose it, what are we going to do? And I say sometimes when you lose, you gain something a whole lot better than what you had before. Let me ask you tonight, what is is it that you're willing to hold on to so much that it keeps you from experiencing all that God has from you. Notice here we see the initial reaction of, jo- of Joseph. Number two, there's a return to Egypt. Notice here it's a forced situation, chapter number 43 tonight. It's a forced scenario. Look at verse number one. And the famine was sore in the land. It ain't got no better. Why? Seven days of fa- or seven years of famine. It's not getting better anytime soon. Now i said verse number two, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, the father said unto him, go again and buy us a little food. Notice here, in essence what Jacob is saying, go back to Egypt and get what we can without bringing Benjamin. Get get what you can without meeting the the stipulations of that man in in, in Egypt who said he had to bring Benjamin back with you. It's a forced scenario. In essence, Jacob still wasn't willing to. And finally one of his sons said, Daddy, if we don't do anything about this, if we don't go back, not just Benjamin may die, not just Simeon, but all of us will because we're going to run out of food. And so finally, Jacob re- releases Benjamin to go back to them. But notice this great man of faith in verses 3 through 8. Hear how he's, he, he, he's, he's a great man of faith. so sounds so faithful here. Verse number 7, they said, The man asked us straightly of our state, and of our kindred saying, is your father yet alive? See, first of all, he gets back. why did y'all even tell him I have a son? Why'd you even tell him that I, I left, uh, that you had another brother back here in camp? Why'd you even tell him? And they're like, daddy, you gotta understand. That man was serious. That man had power. Everybody in Egypt was coming to him. And not just Egypt, the world was coming to him. He was nice to them. they pay their money, they gave him corn. He was asking us questions. He was accusing us of things. And we had to to say what we had to say to get out of there. Jacob said, I wish you'd just kept your mouth shut. verse number eight, and Judah said unto Israel's father, send the lad with me. And I will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I'll be a surety for him. And a hand shall they require. See, before the favored son, they were trying to get rid of him. Put him in a pit, kill him. Go home, lie to daddy, sell him off. Now they're saying, daddy, I'll do whatever it takes to protect him. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure he comes back home safely. And Notice here in verse 11, the, their father Israel said unto them, "If it must be now, it must be so now. Do this: take of the best fruits of the land into your vessels and carry down the man a present—a little balm, a little honey, spices, myrrh, nuts, and almonds." And take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again with you uh, get in the mouth of your sacks carried again in your hand Peradventure that it was an oversight. Take also your brother and rise, go again unto the man and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother in Benjamin and if I be bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. If he dies, I guess he dies. That sounds like a great man of faith, don't it? I mean, Jacob's got that interesting story. Jacob's seen angels Going to and fro from he's seen the ladder to heaven. Jacob has heard God's voice. Jacob has seen God save his own life from that of his brother. And now he said, Well, I guess if God can do something, I guess he'll do something. Bless me, Lord, if you can. There's this fretful father, and there's this fearful reckoning. The Bible says so they, they now they've got Benjamin back with them, they head back to Egypt, and once again Joseph spots them. Joseph sees him in verse number fifteen. And they stood before Joseph and Joseph saw Benjamin with them. He said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready for these men shall dine with me at noon. He sees them and he invites them into his private house, his own house, that which is his home. And the Bible tells us that the other brothers are now scared. Why is he bringing us into his house? Why is he segregating and separating us from everybody else? Why is he taking us out of the sight of public witnesses? For sure he's going to take us into his house and kill him, or kill us. He, he's mad at us. Because remember, he's speaking through an interpreter. They have no, he's speaking Egyptian. It's amazing how quickly Jacob picked up that language, or Joseph picked up that language. But here we see that he's speaking Egyptian through an interpreter, and they're saying, well, and so they have no idea what he's saying. All they know is they've been inviting it into his house. He, they don't understand that he's saying, hey, get get a meal ready for them. Prepare uh, a feast for them. Slay and get ready to have time of fellowship. And they're, all they think is there's fixing to die. This man's going to kill us. <laughs> I bet one of the brothers said, I told you, that's why we don't negotiate with terrorists. They don't ever give you what you want. But then, they so they're invited to the house and they look at verse... Number 19, and they came near, excuse me, verse number 18, and the men were afraid because they were uh, brought into Joseph's house, and they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time we were brought in, and that he might seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondmen or asses, or in our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house. (laughs) They are trying to tell their story to anybody who will listen. And he said, oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. And it came to pass when he came to the end that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of the sack, and our money in full weight, and we've brought it again. Look, we, we brought it back. <laughs> we didn't mean to take it. Try that next time you try to steal something from Walmart. <laughs> I didn't mean to take it. They're not gonna be like, oh, okay, there's no problem. <laughs> you know, they're gonna handle you a little bit differently. In verse number 23, in the, 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 the porter at the door The servant at the door said, and he said, peace be to you if you're not. your God. The God of your father hath given you treasure. He said, that was a blessing from God. Oh, you're over here apologizing for what God has done in your life. God has ordained this. God has allowed this to happen to you and you're saying, I'm sorry for it. I don't want it. (laughs) I I didn't mean (laughs) to take it. Then notice what he said. He said, I had your money. He said, I was the one that put it back in there. You ain't got nothing to worry about. You got nothing to worry about at all. I was willing to put it in there. It was a blessing from God. And he brought Simeon out to them. So we see here that there was a fearful reckoning, a calm reassurance. I, I was the one, God did this thing. God loves you. God is taken care of you. In verses 27 through 34, Joseph walks back in and he begins to interrogate them again. He's got some questions for them again. First one is, how is your father? How is your father doing? See, that's where Joseph has skill that I don't have. I don't have that ability. I'd say something like, how's daddy doing? <laughs> I'd mess it all up. <laughs> I, I, my, my, my skills are not that good. But he says, How, how's your father doing? And he looks at Benjamin, who he's already spotted and already knows. Is this your brother? Is this the one that you were talking about? And he begins to interrogate them. And notice this. Joseph becomes, once again, he's overwhelmed. Look at verse number 30. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And once again, he breaks down. I, I'm for sure the other brothers, because they don't know who it is, they think this man in Egypt is crazy. Boy, if we could find corn anywhere else, that's where we'd go. But notice here tonight, Joseph excuses himself and begins to weep. Why? Wow. He probably saw his mama in Benjamin. seeing his daddy in Benjamin remembered what life was like, and he remembers all that God had blessed him with, and he's so grateful his dream has come true. God is not just using him in an elevated stance. God has not promoted him to be down on his brethren, but through this promotion, God is gonna allow him to reestablish that union in that fellowship with his family. And it's just too much. It's just too much for Joseph. Notice this, verse number 34, he favors Benjamin. It says he took and sent messes food unto them from before him. But Benjamin's Mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they complained about it. And they figured out how to get rid of Benjamin. They plotted to hate Benjamin. The Bible says, and they drank and were merry with them. Joseph stepped back and said, they ain't like they used to be. Their favoring of one's son over them is no longer bothering them. They're just glad to be alive. They're glad to be around the table with their brothers. Something's happened between Genesis uh, 30-something and Genesis 43. There's been a change in the brothers. They've been humbled somehow. They've, they've been dealt with somehow. They're not like they used to be. Let me ask you, now, has the Lord allowed you to experience some things that have changed you? It's changed your opinions. It's changed your outlook on stuff. He's humbled you in areas... Where you were once arrogant. We see that in Joseph's brothers' lives. We see the return to Egypt. And then, notice number three tonight, we see the revealing of Joseph. Chapters 44 and 45 tonight. <laughs> once again, Joseph tells them to go home, to go home and, 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 and go get their, their father. Or, well, he actually just sends them back home this time. And he, he fills up their sacks. This time, he plants some evidence on Benjamin. He takes his cup that is symbolic of his power and his place in Egypt. It was known as his cup. No doubt it's probably probably special. It's probably got significant uh, markings on it. They know that it isn't theirs. And he places it in Benjamin's bag and sends them on their way. And as they get off a a good distance, he tells one of his servants, hey, go run them down and pull that cup out of Benjamin's bag and accuse them of stealing of it. Tell you, Joseph's a good brother. He's a good brother. And so the servant does so, and he, he runs down, and he catches the other brethren, and he said, the, the Lord's cup is missing. Who took my master's cup? And the Bible says that they together step back and say, What? We have come to get corn. We've come to just to get our brother back. We've come to come that we're not causing any problems. We would never steal that man's cup. We're better than that. We, we would never stoop that low. That's not what we're here for. So how then shall we steal out of the Lord's house silver or gold? And then they make a dangerous statement in verse number 9 of chapter number 44. With whomsoever of thy servants be, it be found, both let him die. <laughs> and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. If you find it, whoever has it dies, and the rest of us will serve you. It's a dangerous statement because <laughs> though they did not take it, they have it. <laughs> and they step back and they say, oh, we didn't take it, if so, here, here's what you do. Look at verse number 12. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest and the cup was found in Benjamin's. Oh no, anybody but Benjamin's. Daddy said if we don't come back with Benjamin, he's just gonna die a miserable old man and the cup is in Benjamin's bag, full of corn, and there's a cup. I, I, I could, you could probably hear them and You could probably hear the heart beating in their neck. They have just messed up, and they've messed up big time. And I think Joseph's probably back at his house just chuckling. <laughs> got him, got him. <laughs> Verse number 16, they bring them back to, to, to Joseph's house. Verse number 16, Judah tries to explain Look what he tries to explain in verse number 16. What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy, thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and also with him whom the cup is found. He tried to explain it. It sounds like, uh, you know, um, I, yeah, that's, we're, we're your servants. I don't know how it got in there, but obviously it's in there. It's in there. We see here tonight that they have no practical explanation. Verses 18 through 34, not only does Judah say that, they, that Judah has no explanation, he just goes back through the whole thing again, 18 through 34. Here's why we came, here's where we're from, we just wanted corn, and now we've got to go back and tell our dad that we're not coming back. And his favorite son, who he told us not to lose, he's going to lose. We see that there's a, there's a planning of evidence and now they're in this terrible situation. And look verse number 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself from all, before all them that stood by him. Once again, here he is getting emotional because those aren't the same brothers. Physically they are. Relationally they are. But there's been a change in them. Now they're, now instead of going with excitement to trick their father that his favorite son is dead, They are dreading the day of having to tell them or tell him that their their his favorite son's not coming home. The Bible says he becomes emotional, he could not refrain himself. In essence, he couldn't help himself. It was beyond his control. It was beyond his ability to manufacture it. He wasn't fake crying before him. See, here's the thing when it comes to emotions. In the right place and at the right time, they are great. But when emotionally becomes manufactured, it becomes scheduled. It becomes just another part of the service. We know when to cry. We know how to cry. We know what to say. We don't need that. We don't know that. how, how can you? What's, what's what's How can you? Uh, how can you discern between sincere emotion and manufactured emotions? Sincere emotions are often uncontrolled. You'll say, things, "I just couldn't help it." I know Sunday. My mama was here. I didn't say, All right, "I'm gonna get up there and cry." I just want to tell my mama that I loved her and I'm thankful for her. Before you know it, the tears begin to get, begin to roll. I begin to get choked up. She started crying, which is nothing for her to do. My mama cries at everything, at anything. So much so when we were growing up, we used to we used to laugh because <laughs> she, she don't just like politely cry. When she starts crying, it's ugly crying. It's ugly crying. I was, that's I'm not going to tell that story. <clears throat> and not because it, it embarrasses her; it embarrasses me because where I was crying, where I was laughing at. Should not have been laughing there. Not, a it's not, you ought not to laugh at funerals. Uh, <laughs> unless the joke is being told and the joke was not being told. Notice the exposure of Joseph. He becomes emotional in his sincere emotions. He couldn't refrain from it. In essence, he couldn't help it. He couldn't stop it. And so he tells everybody to get out of the room. Leave. And I said he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. They heard a real week. They heard real emotion. They heard what it, what it was like to see what real love is. Between brothers. Notice here there was the, 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 the planning of evidence. There was the exposure of Joseph. Verse number four, he invites them closer. To look at, he said, Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. Verse number three, he said, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? His daddy is still alive. He said, and, uh, and his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. You're who? We thought. But we never thought we'd see you again. And now here we are. You're a man of power. You're a man of means. You can do whatever you want to us. And nobody would ever find out. Nobody would ever see. Verse number four, and Joseph says, come near. Oh, I did not come. I I did not recognize you. And I didn't didn't call you back because I want to take you out. And Joseph said, there's some things that we need to get right. There's some things that we need to get done, that we need to get reestablished. Would you come closer to me? Would you come near to where I am? I pray you, and they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Look at verse number five. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. Verses five through eight, Joseph extends mercy. He extends mercy to them. Verse number six, for these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Here's the thing, Joseph's mercy was backed up by an explanation. In essence, Joseph didn't express mercy and extend mercy because He was just told that's what you're supposed to do. He didn't do it just because he felt guilty and he felt like that's all he could do. He had stepped back in the midst of his wrongdoing, in the midst of what was done to him, in the midst of all that he's gone through these past 14, 15 years of his life all that he's experienced from the pit to the prison to Potterford's wife, all of that tonight, he steps back and says, listen, the reason why I'm extending mercy to you is not because what you did was right, not because what I went through was necessarily what I deserve to go through. He said, but everything I've gone through, there's been something greater working in my life. God has been with me. And the reason why I'm merciful is because what I went through, God has used to teach me. God has used to grow me think so many times in our life we become bitter because instead of, instead of dealing with the situations and the wrongs that are done to us. Now listen tonight, I'm not going to be super spiritual and say that I like it when people do me wrong. I like it when people lie against me. I like it when people come again. I'm not going to stay up, stand up here tonight and say I like those things. But one of the reasons why there's not bitterness in my heart is one because of the grace of God, but two because of what I've it's took some time, it's took some serious praying, it's took some serious seeking God's word, seeking godly counsel, but through those wrongdoings, I've learned things that I could not have learned had I not went through it. And though I might not have liked it at the moment, I can step back and say, listen, I'm not gonna hold it against you. I'm not gonna, I'm not coming back to get revenge. I'm not coming back to crack the hammer of your head because through it all, God has taught me great lessons. And for those, I am grateful Here's mercy. Here's mercy. I'm not going to demand judgment on you. When you extend mercy to someone, do you know why? Or can you see why? Joseph said, hey, don't be grieved. (laughs) Don't be angry with yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Oh yeah, it wasn't right. You shouldn't have done it. But how about we move on from it? How about we get it right? And move on. Verses 9 and 10, he extends mercy. Verses 9 and 10, he reveals a plan. Then verse number 9. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt bear, be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. Let me ask you this tonight. We're just about done. Did Joseph forgive his brothers? Yes. Well, oftentimes we're told that there's real forgiveness and you go back to the way things used to be. If Joseph really forgave his brothers, how come Joseph didn't go home, put on his coat of many colors and go back to watching sheep? I mean, if he really forgave them, shouldn't he go back to the way things used to be? So many times in our life we think that if I forgive somebody or if there's forgiveness being expressed, then things have to go exactly to the way they were. And I say Joseph really forgave his brothers, but they had to move on from that. They couldn't go back to the way things used to be. Time would not allow for that. Joseph was where God had placed him and God wanted him to be forgiveness. Does it mean you're going back to a time and say, all right, now we're starting from here all over again. We're going back to the way it used to be. Say, hey, I forgive you for what happened in the past. Let's move on. And sometimes those dynamics change. Sometimes those relationships change. And just because after forgiveness, we're not as close as we used to be, we don't, we don't have the same relationship, so to speak, that we had we had before all this, does not mean that I have not forgiven you. It just means... We're moving on. We've dealt with it. We've got it right. Let's move on for the glory of God. You can't always go back, but you can always move on. You can always go back, but you can always move on. Then notice verse number 14 and 15 of chapter 45. He embraced them. He embraced them. He hugged them. And then he did what me and my brother have never done. He kissed them. Well, if we did, I don't have no recollection of it. I'm <clears throat> pretty sure we probably did when we was younger. He said he fell upon his brothers, verse 14, Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept upon his neck and moreover he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them and after that his brethren talked with him. There was a restored relationship. He embraced them. Let me ask you now, is there anybody you need to extend mercy to tonight? Not because the preacher told you to but because through all of those circumstances and events, the Lord has been with you and taught you some very valuable lessons. You realize tonight what that, that which was meant for evil, God has used for good. Aren't you glad tonight dreams can come true? Forgiveness is a real thing, and mercy is something we can experience tonight. Let's